0: You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Today I wanted to give us a sneak peek into the internal workings of a renewed mind, the renewed mind's worldview, if you like. Um, so just a quick recap on the last three. I, I started some time ago thinking about Romans 8 verse 6, which tells us that the mind um, governed by the Spirit is life. And peace but the mind governed by the flesh is death and I talked a little bit more about the meaning of the word flesh and what it is to follow the works of the flesh it's the kind of the the dark side of the human being the part of you that wants to follow your own desires rather than uh, God's desires and you can um, scroll back or whatever it is you need to do to find those to find those videos and I think I called it where's your head at so you can find that video uh, and then the second two videos videos two and three that that I've done recently are uh, from Romans 12 1 and 2 so that's remind just to remind you that's all about offering our bodies in view of God's mercy offering God our bodies as a living sacrifice and then in verse 2 Paul goes on to say that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and I just see the importance of the mind in in all of this and I know there's I'm not on my own in this I know there's lots of people have a lot to say about the mind not only Christians reading the Bible but um, the scientific community the mental health community the physical health uh, arena all recognize the power of the mind but only God's word tells us everything we need to know about the mind and you can look elsewhere for things to do with the mind but you may be led astray you may be given thoughts to put into your mind that are not in line with the inerrant word of God which I have grown to love more and more so today I want us to find a couple of verses or look at a couple of verses that help us to think a little bit more about what it might look like inside a renewed mind and there's some verses in, in the, one of his letters to the Corinthians where Paul is re- refuting some of the arguments that have, have been raised against him where there have been false teachers coming into the Corinthian church Um, leading the Christians or some of the Christians not all of them were led astray but leading some of them away saying that Paul himself was a false teacher and maybe suggesting that Paul was in it for his own gain which is very hard to believe when you read some of the stuff Paul went through uh, in order to spread the gospel that maybe that was one of the suggestions but they certainly a hundred percent certainly were undermining Paul's authority as as, a, as an apostle saying his teaching was was incorrect. Now just before we look at today's verses imagine for a moment how it might feel if you you've sensed this call of God on your life. You've given up everything about your past to pursue this call to preach the gospel to save some and you've suffered. You've been beaten. You've you've been left for dead. You've had to escape out of a city wall through a basket. You've known what it is to be rich and you've known what it is to be poor and you've been content in all circumstances because your contentment has come from the fact that you are called of God to be his apostle and nothing can stop you. And you've remained humble. You haven't demanded finance, even though you've said that people in churches should finance their ministers. He said, I haven't taken anything from you. I've not gone on trying to... um, be a burden to you financially he's done everything in humility he's been completely faithful and in all of this the people he's been faithful to are being led astray by false prophets who are indeed in it for their own personal gain and they're undoing your work they're undoing the gospel that you've been preaching the gospel of grace and they're deliberately attacking you on a personal level can you imagine at all what it would be like maybe if you can't connect with the idea of being an apostle in in first uh, in the first century maybe just in your own workplace or in your own family environment you've worked hard on something and people have come along and undermined everything that you've done and you tried to do it humbly how might you react i don't know if my reaction would be as spirit-led as as paul's was as spiritual Because for Paul, instantly he sees it as a situation from a heavenly perspective. He sees the situation from a heavenly perspective, from an eternal perspective. He recognises in his mind, he recognises that the battle is spiritual. And these key verses that I'm about to read to you sum up his attitude to opposition from within the church and they're a fine example to us of what our attitude might be or should be or could be when we need to respond to opposition and some of that opposition comes in our in our minds and here Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 to 5 for though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does that's just verse three. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Verse four. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to dis- to destroy or to demolish strongholds. We, that's you and me as Christians, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. Here's what I want us to notice from this passage. Three things. Number one, we live in the world. It says, um, although we live in the world, verse three, for though we live in the world, we may, we may not be of the world, we have this cliche in Christianity, nowhere in the Bible does it have we are in the world but not of the world as a sentence but we kind of have, I, I don't know I've grown up with that phrase in my mind almost as if it is a phrase from scripture. Well the teachings in scripture, in John 17 14 Jesus said of his disciples I have given them your word That's as Jesus is praying which is a crazy concept in itself, if you think about it. But Jesus is praying that the, the humanity of Jesus, Jesus being a hundred percent human as well as a hundred percent God, the humanity of Jesus is praying to the Father in heaven and saying, I have given them your world, your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world you as a Christian are not of the world any more than Jesus was of the world and we know Jesus came from heaven we are citizens of heaven we didn't come from heaven but we're certainly going there again in John 17 verse 16 Jesus says they the disciples are not of the world even as I am not of it but we are still in it and as as an aside I just wanted to say we are in the world we're not of the world we are allowed to enjoy it God created a good world for us to enjoy when he created man in the first days of creation he in the first days of the world the last day of creation day five he he created man in his own image and um, later on he only gives them one rule Imagine that. Just imagine for a moment, only having one rule to live by: don't eat from that tree. The rest of them, go for it. Go bananas, go nuts, and go whatever else grows on them. But grow, but go and enjoy the world. Tend the garden. I'll give you some things to do. I'll give you some work to do. But just that one rule. Imagine only having one rule. The rest of the time, you can enjoy your labor. You can have a day of rest and you can enjoy the garden so we are in the world and we are allowed to enjoy it there are still some fantastic wonderful beautiful great things about the creation even in its fallen nature we can enjoy the world that was kind of an aside but i just felt it was worth saying we're in the world and we can enjoy it it may be fallen but there are good things to enjoy. So let's, let's not self-isolate completely from all of the world. And some branches of Christianity have fallen into that, that ditch of um, we've, got the, we've got the truth. But we've got a, a a ditch of error on either side the two extremes of that teaching of truth and on the one side we can get um, so licentious in our behavior so into the world and saying yeah well we've got liberty we've got freedom all things are permissible and we fall in that side of the ditch of the of the road of truth and on the other side of the ditch we've got no we're not we're we're not in that we're in the world but we're not of the world so um it's wrong to be in fashion it's wrong to be uh, following the things of the world it's wrong to go to the cinema it's one there are some good things in creation some good things in the world there's some good things that man has created man who is created in god's image who is able to recreate things using the creativity that god has given man and women Um, we're allowed to enjoy a lot of them as long as they're wholesome and in line with his word but we still have a mission within it we mustn't stop there we're in the world but we're not of the world and as envoys in the world we have a mission so let's keep firmly fixed in our minds that we're not part of this world we're different we do things differently we operate on a different system and we think with a different perspective we have a totally new way of thinking we are citizens of heaven and we don't live as the world lives but we do live in the world and while we're here there's some things that will happen as a result of spiritual forces at work and while those spiritual forces are at work Sometimes they manifest themselves in a very physical reality and the rest of the world that we are in won't recognise the spiritual battle that this is part of and you will think differently, you will see things differently. So point one, we are in the world, we're allowed to enjoy it but we must recognise that we are citizens of heaven and much of our conflict is based at a spiritual level that the human eye cannot see. Number two, we fight a different battle and we fight it in a different way. Number two, we fight a different battle in a different way. Number one, we're in the world. Number two, we're fighting differently. It says in verse four of our uh, our verses that I've read earlier uh, and we're looking at today in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse four, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world." don't join in do not join in with the battles that the world commences in even if you're caught up in the crossfire do not pick up those weapons they are not yours they do not belong with citizens of heaven what am i talking about what are some of the weapons of the world and we have to we have to create a fine line here because of some of the weapons that i use as weapons are things that are good things to use in the right way? Let me give you an example um, of some of the things to try and explain what I'm what I'm saying. Let's first of all remember the context of these verses. How might Paul have responded? If he were to pick up the weapons of the world when he was being criticized for his teaching, when he was his he was being undermined, his authority was being undermined, what kind of weapons might you pick up if you were being. Undermine and criticise. Well, counter argument, intelligence. Um, you might, you might go and ball them out, shout at them. You might um, try and undermine the authority of the other person. Think of a court of law. Think of courtroom dramas where you're trying to unpick and undermine the the credibility of the witness. You might take those kind of things. So the kind of cerebral, in the in the head, kind of arguments that you might use. To to pull that down. If if you're a violent person, you might just want to go and shoot them. Uh, you might want to go and stab them in the back. You might want to use those kind of weapons of the world. That's what I'm talking about. So here's an example then of what I'm trying to say when I'm saying there are there's a fine line here because some of the weapons can be used for good. For example, intelligent thinking can be used. Paul was known for his, his rational argument and for his ability to debate and argue and discuss with people, matters of philosophy that that have an aim to lead people to Christ. He could have used that good skill from God and turned it into a a secular weapon, a, a secular style of weaponry. That's what I'm saying not to do. We've got to use our skills, gifts, talents and abilities and our finance and our time for God, not for our own personal gain and that's where we can tell difference. If you're just trying to defend your own honour because you don't like the fact that your pride's been hurt and it makes it even worse that they're wrong and you know they're wrong uh, but you're just trying to defend yourself then perhaps you need to ask that question why am I defending myself? I should first be defending the gospel, I should first be caring about other people and how, how they are being shepherded through this or discipled through this. Let's have a think about some of the other methods that we might use um to defend when we have attacks on our livelihood attacks on our families on our health on our finance, and maybe how governments governments or nations might even respond to a physical threat the The weapons of this world are I believe subject to restrictions. ours are not the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. the weapons of this world are subject to limitations of mere human understanding and we have the mind of christ the weapons of this world might include uh, self-effort just trying to make this work for ourselves might include deception might include self-promotion they might be uh, harnessing physical strength or intelligent argument and one area i want to think about at the moment just for a few more minutes is within the weaponry of the world some good things but can be used as weapons in a way that isn't right is the use of science and technology. I'm recording this video in what has just been announced recently to have been just past the peak of um, the coronavirus in the UK. Um, It's just the end of April as I'm recording this message. I think it's going to go out in the middle of May or the end of May. So I don't know what will be happening um, when you finally get this video. There's some other videos from my dad to come out first and they're really good, but I'm recording ahead of time as I have this on my heart. And the weapons of the warfare against the coronavirus have been used very, very well, I believe, by many, many countries. And from the beginning, Boris Johnson, our Prime, our Prime Minister, has been saying, we're following the science. Well, I actually think that's a very difficult thing to say because we have learned over the last few weeks that science isn't black and white. The scientific community doesn't agree on everything. The scientific community doesn't agree on the issue of face masks. And uh, by the time this video goes out, this issue might be out of date. But right now, there's an evidence that the scientific community can't Agree, and and we kind of brought up in our society in the Western world to see science as this exact thing, which is black and white. But it's fuzzy around the edges, and there are differences in opinion as to what the science leads to. So to say we are following the science is a little bit narrow-minded, because there isn't the science to follow. There are many different answers that uh, and opinions that can come from science my view of science has always been that it only uncovers God's creation and it just scratches the surface of what he knows intimately and intricately and technology only harnesses what the creator has provided. So how are we different? That's the weapons of the world, I've talked about human strength, I've talked about intelligence, I've talked about science and technology and I've talked about a variety of opposition that we can come a- come against. How are we different in the weapons of our warfare? Well let's go back to our key text 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, verse 4, in the middle of verse 4, on the contrary. In other words, totally different nothing like the weapons of the world not even close they our weapons have divine power divine power you have divine power because you are a son or daughter of the most high god and you have weapons in the spiritual realm realm that that have divine power to do what they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Ephesians chapter 6 is not what we're looking at right now, but it's worth diving into just for a moment because it unpacks some of these weapons. And I'm gonna, not going to do a, a, a long study of the Ephesians 6 weapons with the full armor of God but it does say in verse 12 our struggle is not against flesh and blood whatever you're feeling whatever you're going against however physical your um, your opposition seems to be right now it's not entirely flesh and blood it's manifesting itself in flesh and blood in, in the natural world but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Why do you think you can pick up the world's weapons to deal with this kind of thing? Our weapons are different. Paul goes on still diving into Ephesians 6 just for a moment, Paul goes on to outline what we know as the full armour of god not the full armor of man it's his armor and we're putting it on but for now let's just consider a few weapons listed there um verse 16 of ephesians 6 talks about the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and in verse 17 the sword of the spirit just thinking about those two the shield and the sword the shield of faith the sword of the spirit which is the word of god it says in ephesians 6 17 the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and then in verse 18 and pray in the spirit on all occasions he says also in colossians the same writer says just persevere in prayer keep on praying De- so d- devote yourselves to prayer pray in the spirit in All occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, these are your weapons, and sometimes to use these weapons, you need to be still. That's why he says, on the contrary, when he says our weapons are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons are divine, they demolish strongholds. We and, and I'm highlighting just from another chapter of paul's writings the sword of the spirit the shield of faith which distinct which extinguishes the fiery arrows of the enemy and i'm, I'm emphasizing prayer and praying in the spirit wimbledon has apparently has got about 18 grass courts that are used in the championship there's there's over 20 other courts in in total at wimbledon and I pick Wimbledon because it's a famous place for tennis matches. Imagine um, if you were, or imagine a um, a competitor at, at Wimbledon who has got a very important match, and they arrive at the wrong court. And imagine how stupid they'd feel, and imagine their opponent just waiting for uh, for you to turn up, or for this this um, this amazing tennis player to turn up, and. Uh, and do battle with them on the tennis court and they're just standing there waiting bouncing the ball on the floor having nothing to do how much more ridiculous would it be if that amazing tennis player didn't even show up at Wimbledon at all they 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 took a wrong turn and they went I know it's just ridiculous ridiculous analogy but I just kind of enjoyed it for the moment um, they 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 turned up at a local school sports day in 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 their in their sports field, and they competed and they did some some interesting things with the with the with the long jump and the high jump and all that sort of thing, um, and all the while their opponent was just sitting easy, and and just enjoying, not having to compete at all. Well, that's what it's like. That's what we're doing when we pick up the weapons of the world we have an opponent and we we see we see competition or we see um opposition and we attack it in exactly the wrong field when we pick up the weapons of the world we are fighting in the wrong arena now let's not take this teaching too far into the wrong side of the truth and move move into a ditch let's not say that the opposition you've got is is a physical problem in your body and you say well I'm not going to use the weapons of this world I'm not going to go to the doctor I am not saying that God uses doctors what I'm saying is your number one priority is you're trusting him as your source if he chooses to use the doctor to heal you praise him for it and praise him that you live in a country that has a doctor that can heal you but what I am saying is we don't deal with weaponry that the world deals with we don't only rely on those things, and certainly we don't rely on those any of those weapons that are contrary to the way that God operates. So when we try and go to a tennis match to beat our opponent, and we go not even to the wrong court, but we go to the wrong field, and we mess around with, with primary school um, long jump and high jump, that's what we're doing when we try and fight our presenting issue with the weapons of this world. We're in the wrong arena fighting with the wrong equipment while all the while our opponent is taking it easy. Fight the good fight of faith. Exercise the shield of faith. When you see a problem coming your way, turn to the word of God, your sword. Fight Find a scripture that states who you are in Christ and what your inheritance rights are as his adopted child. So pray and pray in the spirit on all occasions. This is how we fight our battles. This is the working of renewed mind. It's not after all, after all it's, it's not a new world view. I might have said at the beginning we're going to have a look at the world view of, I might not have done as well, but the world view of a renewed mind. It's actually an other world view. We, we've got a view that we are of an other world. We are envoys, we are aliens, we are not of this world and that's our viewpoint and that's where we fight our battles in the spiritual realm. The third and smaller point is that the battle is over knowledge and it's over obedience. So number one we are in the world, number two our battle is different and number three the battle is over knowledge and obedience. The last verse of our reading says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedience obedience. To Christ, sorry obedient to Christ. The weapons are to enable us to have knowledge of God and make our thoughts obedient to Christ. Any thought, any idea that is not of God will draw us away from the knowledge of God and the knowledge of God is exactly what he had in mind for us from the very beginning, back in the garden he wanted to walk with Adam and Eve, he wanted to walk with us, he wants us to have knowledge, intimate knowledge of him and any argument that draws us away from that is not of God, he wants us to know him personally, we're going to take those thoughts captive and those thoughts will become obedient to Christ. What does obedient to Christ mean? Well Didn't our Messiah teach us that the the whole law and prophets is summed up by loving God and loving people with everything we've got? obedience to christ surely has to have something to do with loving god with all of our heart mind soul and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself and any thought any mind pattern any idea that does not fall in line with and fall into submission to the idea of loving god passionately intimately and knowing him and serving our neighbor as he leads us to in a spirit-led manner is got to be taken captive those thoughts must be taken captive if they don't fall in line with that teaching why do we love god because he first loved us so being obedient to christ is to recognize god's love to to recognize how god's love was uh, shown to us through christ and to fall in love with god all over again any thought any philosophy any mind pattern that does not fall in line with these thoughts is needs to be taken captive you need to lock it up you need to throw away the key and you need to every time that thought comes back in you replace it with a scripture and you have a scripture ready to do it to do it okay well i've just about finished but my final thought is just to sum up if we pray like ephesians 6 18 said praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and if we pray in faith which is our shield and we pray using the abiding sorry using and abiding in the word of god which is our sword we will take thoughts captive we will demolish strongholds and we will expose false arguments we will see victories we've never even dreamed of in the natural does that sound exciting our battle is spiritual our mission is in the world but our weapons are not the battle is one in the air way before it's one on the ground i repeat our mission is in the world but our weapons are not. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.